step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome, everyone, to the High Stakes Diaries. I am your host, Peter Overzet, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pat Corain. Pat, why don't you tell people what we're doing here, why we're not on the Fantasyland feed, and why we decided the world needs another podcast about fantasy football. <laughs> hey, Pete. Um, yeah, so what we're doing here is this is kind of uh, like an outgrowth from the Fantasyland episode that we did originally a couple years ago when we went out to Vegas for the FFPC high stakes draft where we chronicled uh, our entry into the high stakes world. We actually went out to Vegas, drafted with uh, the FFPC and kind of uh, documented our experience there, met a lot of the, the big players and just some of the characters out there uh, that are part of that world. Um, and then we went back last year as well to try to redeem ourselves from a, a not too inspiring rookie year. Uh, and this is basically our third attempt or, and our second attempt to redeem ourselves. Uh, so we figured um, we're going to be going back this year. We're going to be doing a little bit of live content as part of the FFPC weekend uh, through Fantasyland. But we also thought, you know, we've been writing this article for Rotoviz the last few years, chronicling our experience throughout the season. Why not make it a podcast? Uh, it's kind of a little bit of uh, we try to keep it humorous, we try to keep it light. I mean, the last couple of years we really had no choice but to keep it humorous because uh, we certainly couldn't be diving too deep into our strategy since we were getting our butts handed to us for the first half of each season and then uh, failed playoff uh, comebacks the second half of each season. Yeah, I mean, to just sum it up, you know, two years in a row – playing the main event $1,800 buy-in and we have literally just lit $1,800 on fire and then it's been the agony has been magnified by the fact that we've been covering it and doing media around it we've done multiple podcasts probably written 30 to 40 articles for Rotoviz, just detailing in excruciating lengths how poorly we have handled <laughs> our drafts, our in-season. I mean, we've had some redeeming moments, but on the whole, we have nothing to show for it. This is our third year back in the contest. And honestly, Pat, this feels like do or die. Like every year I muster up the energy to come in. And I feel like if we whiff again, I don't know if I'll be able to come back from that. <laughs> have you had the heart to go back and reread any of the articles? Because no. we're Yeah, we're literally like putting everything out there like this is gonna do this is how we're gonna win the league this year and of course the if you're unfamiliar with the ffpc it's not just about winning your 12 team league it's about winning your league but also qualifying for the larger playoff tournament that takes place for the league winners and then you can also qualify without winning your league um and so we were always you know preseason. it's always okay well Sure, we want to win our league, but what we really want to do is take down the grand prize. So we got to build 
you know, for this this mega team that's actually capable. And when we miss the playoffs, you know, it's like we can't. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, we're like, yeah, the sprinters who like do all the stretching and the the calisthenics and we're pumping our shoes and then we just trip like on the first stride out of the gate. So I think, yeah, that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about in this first episode uh, are things that we did in the previous years that we want to do differently. And as far as kind of an outlook for the show throughout the season, uh, we're going to do a couple episodes before our draft. We are drafting live on Saturday, September something. It's the Saturday after Labor Day weekend. And after that, we're just going to update you guys weekly. It'll be a little bit about how our team's doing, what we're thinking about doing on the waiver wire, any interesting start-sit decisions. It's basically just going to be the audio that Pat and I would have if we just called each other to hash this stuff out otherwise, and we are just going to release that publicly. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, and I think uh, if, and if you're not familiar with the FF, one other thing I think it's uh, a critical strategy point is that it is tight end premium. Uh, so that's going to play into uh, the draft discussion and, and everything else. And then the draft, as you mentioned, is ac- it's actually after the NFL season starts. So you have the Thursday night game um, already in the books, and then it's the day before the first slate of Sunday games that, that we're actually going to be drafting. So that, that's been interesting, like last year, Kareem Hunt was drafted at 101 in a lot of drafts and I don't think he was really getting past the like top three or four picks in, in most drafts after his huge Thursday night game to open the season so it's it's got some interesting twists to it in terms of uh the FPC compared to a normal fantasy football league yeah no and and why we're just kind of other I mean you hinted on the kind of structure with how we're everyone's within their own 12 team leagues where of course you have unique players across those 12 teams but then when you go into the playoffs teams can obviously have overlapping players uh because it's not like you know for all the teams that one player goes off the board and then no one else can have them so that's where i think we've fallen into that trap of oh we want a really unique lineup we want a really high upside and then uh kind of forgot to just take care of business in our single league so we're going to get into that, but why don't we kind of launch into this discussion? I think knowing our draft slot, which we found out um, about a week or so, they start to trickle those out depending when you register. Uh, I think that will help inform the discussion around what we've done in previous years, how we've approached it, because this really changes things up. Uh, to not bury the lead anymore, we have the 101 this year, and I believe both previous years we were at least like 108 or the back half of the first round, right? I think we had the 106 in the first year. Yeah. And then I think we had the 108 last year. Yeah. Which I feel like going into both of those, I mean, we had a couple guys we were, you know, okay with, but I don't ever remember being like thrilled to the moon about where that spot um, positioned us. Yeah. This is definitely more interesting because both of the first two years we went zero running back. Um, and somehow had horrible receiving cores. I think that's been one of the most frustrating things about our uh, our past failures is that it's actually we've actually had like pretty solid running back cores uh, on both of the the teams each year. But um, this year with, at 101, it's uh you know obviously we'd be super contrarian if we went with the wide receiver at 101. So I think we could go some form of zero running back but it's gonna be uh, a modified version i think at least that's what i'm thinking pete yeah we are we are here in a second i think gonna break down 
our ideal start rounds one through five. Pat and I haven't conferred ahead of time, but I I think kind of what Pat's hinting at is, and it is a little bit uh, unfair to say that we lost because we've gone zero RB back to back years. When, like you said, we did the hard part of zero RB well, and we did the easy part of it uh, poorly somehow. And I think 101, like you said, is going to save us from our zero RB selves this year where we were taking our first running back in the sixth round. I remember one year or last year it was Arian Foster was our RB1 was the year before was Jeremy Hill, I believe our RB1. Those those running backs have been, yeah, set the pick on fire type of picks, but we got Alvin Kamara last year and uh, dude, like don't in the even 12th round don't even say that. Head. That's just so embarrassing. I know we missed the playoffs with Alvin Kamara. With Alvin Kamara, how do you draft yeah, in the 12th round in a yeah. full PPR league? How do you do that and not make the playoffs? Well, we did it, folks. Because we, we drafted it. horrible receivers. That's the thing. So I'm actually, you say it's going to save us from ourselves, but I assume we're still going some form of zero running back. I'm actually worried that this could be the worst year for our wide receivers because no. we're not going to take one in the first round. No. All right. So let's do this. So this is – so Pat and I uh, – normally I would say our prep in previous years is – I guess the first year we were doing a lot of communication. Last year I don't think we really talked until we got to Vegas and we basically <laughs> no, crammed – for two nights just like we didn't even go out we just spent like six hours in the hotel room getting on the same page about our draft so this year we haven't had any discussion we both know we have the 101 we literally have not exchanged uh we've been talking a lot but we haven't ever said like this is what we should do so we thought it would be a fun exercise for both of us to write out our ideal start for five rounds so that's obviously the 101 and then the two three turn in the four five turn and the way we kind of are defining ideal start is by looking at ADP. So we pulled up the Fantasy Mojo FFPC Classic League ADP that's covering the most recent drafts over the past three days. And we, I think, said that we weren't going to make any picks that were, you know, within like two picks of the actual ADP, two to three. So it was realistic, but you could have some uh, wish picks within this ideal top five. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. All right. So why don't we just do this one at a time? I'll give you my first round pick and you'll give me yours and we'll see if we're on the same page here. So for my one-on-one, I am, I'm eyeing Todd Gurley here. How about you? So I'd obviously be fine with Todd Gurley. I think given the advantage of being able to pick right before that Sunday game, I've, I kind of am leaning Le'Veon Bell because we would in the, in a world where we pick him, all of this stuff about his contract and him showing up and all that shit is just not a, an issue anymore. It, it's been resolved. I would rather have Le'Veon Bell without any of those concerns than Todd Gurley just because Bell has been doing it longer and he's just an absolute stud. Obviously, Gurley is too. There's really no wrong choices here, but Bell is, is a guy I'd be a little bit more comfortable with. Yeah, I, I don't think either of us are going to get into any big arguments uh, about this pick. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I definitely want to see how the Bell situation plays out. Uh, just having watched Bell closely, obviously his usage is is very good, and his passing game usage is incredible. Uh, I guess the reason I lean Todd Gurley is just because 
of his big play ability. You just don't see Le'Veon Bell breaking off 70-yard touchdown runs on screen passes uh, like Gurley's capable of right now. So just as like an athlete and a big play guy, uh, Gurley gets that nod for me. But I- I'm with you. I don't, I don't think you can make a bad pick here. Yeah, and I think this one, like, if we were drafting today, I would also take Gurley. So I think we can kind of let the situation play out and see. So, if, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think we have to give this too much more discussion. It's not that interesting to talk about, you know, the first three or four picks. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about this 2-3 turn. So this would be picks 24 and 25. And how about uh, you give me your two ideal targets here based on current ADP? So my top guy here would be A.J. Green, who was, I think, our original target at 106 a couple years ago. So this feels to me like very good value. Um, And then Mike Evans, who, you know, kind of looking for a rebound here. Also really good value, potentially. So A.J. Green uh, in the FFPC most recent ADP is going at 22 overall. So we, it would take a couple picks to fall to us, and then Mike Evans is actually going right at 24. Uh, so he would, uh, you know, if he makes it to 24, he'll obviously be there at 25 when we pick for the third round. That this is it. I'm just going to ask you one more uh, question. This is putting you on the spot. I don't know if you prepped it. If you had a third uh, choice, who would be your third guy after AJ and Evans? Say AJ's gone, and you go Evans. Who would be your third? Assuming I can't go up the board anymore because yeah. Travis Kelsey's there at 20. Yeah. So he would be the next guy. I, I, between it would be one of T.Y. Hilton or Adam Thielen. Okay. We're both the next two wide receivers there. All right. So we aren't quite on the same. I was, the reason I was asking is because I was looking at both AJ and Mike Evans and I, I know this exercise was best case scenario, but just for some reason in my head, I was like, there's no way both of them are there. But I did put AJ Green as my uh, late second ideal target because I had been looking at some of these draft boards and he has been falling to 212 and I would say about 25 to 30% of drafts. So I think from both of us, uh, that's pretty realistic. Uh, and as we've seen in these drafts, I mean, Pat and I, when we're at the FFPC live event in Vegas, we're kind of hawking the draft boards because we're drafting Saturday. So you'll have draft boards from Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, like real time ADP. And there can be a lot of variability across drafts, especially with like the tight ends and how some teams value them more than. So I guess this is a long tangent of saying AJ Green, realistic target there. And my other one is Stefan Diggs. And I know that is slightly a reach. I don't really think so because obviously he's not going to come back to us at the 4-5 turn. And I still just like his big play ability. I like his ability to continue to to grow as a player and maybe outshadow uh, Thielen a bit. So yeah, Diggs is, is still uh, holds a soft spot in my heart after we got him two years ago on his breakout year in the, I think he was a fifth round pick, but yeah, Diggs, uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think the, the Diggs stealing thing is interesting because last year I've been really big into Diggs for years. And last year is just one of those things where I, it just feels like Thielen is the number one guy there. Um, that could change. Obviously the quarterback situation has changed. So it's, uh, it, it's anyone's guess really who turns out to be the number one wide receiver this year. And they're both, both highly talented and they're going back to back in ADP right now, 29 and 30. So, you know, drafters 
feel the same way that it's really hard to distinguish them. So I would be okay with digs there. Um, one guy that is going later, but who won't get to us on the fourth, fifth turn. And I think we kind of have to talk about just cause I believe we drafted him each of the last two years <laughs> and he has absolutely crushed us. Yeah. Uh, Amari Cooper, who yeah. actually looks like he could be in a situation, uh, in a, you know, maybe a better coordinated offense and just getting a lot of targets, uh, no Michael Crabtree anymore. So what do you think about Cooper? It's a bit of a reach, but uh, I kind of feel like we, you know, he's almost like our, our team mascot really in a lot <laughs> of ways. I'm actually, I'm completely with you. And I was, I didn't even mean to gloss over. Uh, I also like T.Y. Hilton who you mentioned. And it basically, my takeaway is I just really like this spot because let's say even mm. worst case scenario, Evans and AJ go, which which would stink if you couldn't get, say, one of those. But even then, you you and me are still looking at Diggs, Thielen, Hilton, and uh, who else did we mention? Uh, one other guy there. But Cooper, Cooper. Baldwin is going after this yeah. too. Doug Baldwin. Larry Fitzgerald's right in the mix there. Tyreek Hill, who I don't know, like quite this high. But um, yeah. there's a lot of really good. It's basically, there's no way that this spot can go bad for us since we'll be targeting two wide receivers, since we'll take in you know, an elite running back at the one-on-one. Yeah, no. And again, I think this bodes kind of well for us. I think we're both uh, extremely on the same page uh, as far as hammering wide. Re- it's such a, even if you're not going zero RB or, you know, modified, it's still just a really nice pocket for, for grabbing wide receivers. And uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, maybe there's a miracle, like you mentioned where Kelsey falls, which would be pretty cool. Uh, but I actually want to use that to talk, a little bit before we do our four or five one of the things we've done the past two years is grab that i would say early to mid round tight end basically chasing that 1.5 yeah. premium and we haven't ever gotten one of the elite guys i think what last year we got uh was it delaney walker or was that two years that ago? was the that was two years ago we got delaney walker i think in the fifth round and then last year, I'm struggling even to remember who we got. I think we may have gotten Jordan Reed. You're right. In the fourth or something like that. Obviously, that didn't work out. So, but the, what we've realized, I think, is that the position is easy enough to get guys late. You can even get guys off waivers. I mean, tight end has been tight end in general. I think has a lot of volatility to it. And then the last few years, it's been pretty damn volatile. So. As you'll see in the four or five, uh, my four or five picks, I maybe haven't learned this lesson. I've got Uh-oh. kind of cognitive dissonance oh, here, God. but, oh, no. but, uh, yeah, but I, I, I do I think we that there's something to be said to... for avoiding tight ends. Oh my goodness. All right. This is, but I get... also don't want to do it. Cause I, <laughs> I was literally just going to say the way the board sets up, it almost is impossible for us to make the same mistake. Because like you said, if, if Gronk or Kelsey miraculously falls to us at the end of the second or beginning of the third, we're going to pull the trigger. And then I think we both just said we like the wide receivers over Ertz. So then to me, there's such a clear tier of Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz that I can't imagine taking a tight end at the 4-5 turn. But let's let's get into it now. I'll give you my 4-5 picks, and then I'll hear what tight end you're sneaking in there. Um <laughs> I my two ideal targets one is right around the ADP of where we would be picking is Mr. Hard Knocks himself Mr. Juice Mr. Blessum Mr. Bruh Jarvis Landry and my second pick is a slight 
reach based on ADP, but he wouldn't be there for us in the six and seven. It's Chris Hogan. And my thought, and it's, it's an obvious intuitive thing about fantasy. I just want to have some wide receivers that are attached to really good quarterbacks. And, you know, if I'm looking at, say we go AJ Green, Diggs, Landry, again, in this hypothetical, I mean, I'm looking at Dalton and Cousins and some combination of Tyrod and Baker Mayfield, which is fine, but I want to get at least a piece of an elite quarterback tossing to a a number one wide receiver. And I feel really good about how this season and the wide receiver lack of depth on the Patriots is setting up for Hogan. So that's why he's my, my kind of dream fifth pick there. What are your thoughts and who do you have? My thoughts are this is no surprise that you are already reaching for a Patriot here by like 10 picks. (laughs) It's a classic move. Who got us on Burkhead last year? Who got us on? You did. That's you right. did, because he's on the Patriots. You love the Patriots, but you won't admit it. It's one of my favorite subplots of this whole who, exercise. Who doesn't love <laughs> Patriots players in fantasy? All they do is score points, dude. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. Bruh. Right. All right. So, all right. so, so my pissed. two picks here, yeah, my two picks here are one of them I actually feel quite strongly about, and then the other one I'm fine being talked out of. So the first one is Allen Robinson, okay. who's going at 48, which is right when we would pick. Um and or I guess to be the pick after we pick I don't know either way he's like right there at our spot and uh he's just like red flashing lights for me because he's I really loved him as a prospect he came in he's already produced uh really crushed it in his sophomore year he did this with Blake Bortles he's coming off an injury um and he's with Trubisky He's, you know, on the Bears. It's, it seems not all of that that sexy of a of a place to be grabbing a wide receiver, but he's really in a position where he get could get a ton of volume. It could just be a ton of targets for Allen Robinson. And like, is Trubisky actually a downgrade from Bortles? I think he could be an upgrade if he takes a step forward this year. He could obviously not take that step, but I just feel like with Robinson, you have volume plus the potential for a quarterback breakout plus the potential for him to return to a really elite form of a player, and you can get him in the end of the fourth round, basically in the fifth round. It's like, I don't know, he's just an obvious target for me. He's the number one target on his team with a bullet. I don't really think the offense will be that bad. It's not like you're getting you know, the number one target actually uh, with your pick on the, on the Browns, who I think will probably be pretty bad. And on top of that, are likely to be a low-volume passing offense. Landry really scares me because he's a high-volume guy. That's what he's always been in his career. He's a PPR monster because he just racks up catches, but he's moving to a low-volume passing offense with a quarterback who runs a lot, doesn't really throw that much. I, I don't really think that the the Browns are going to be like airing it out. So Landry, I definitely feel like I would much rather go with Robinson than Landry there. In terms of the second pick, uh, Evan Ingram was oh, the guy oh, I kind of like because oh, look, God, he finished that is tight end awful. Listen, 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 he finished tight end six as a rookie, and he's going tight God. end six now. And he's, I mean, the guy has a profile basically like a big ass wide receiver, and that's exactly how they used him last year. So you've got you're getting him at his last year production, and he has the profile of a guy who could break out massively. Uh, 
the quarterback play is not going to be great, as we know, but it's probably going to be good enough. I think Eli can support Odell Beckham and a guy who should be really good in the red zone and for the position isn't going to need to be like the absolute target monster that uh, you would want at like the wide receiver position. So no. given the tight end premium nature of the of the league we can't we can't go tight end here but and Evan Ingram of all, I mean the with I agree he he looks great I think he's gonna have a great career but all of his production last year was done with Odell out then they add Saquon Barkley there's just no way that he is gonna be able to deliver uh on that ADP with Eli and those other targets, not to even mention Sterling Shepard. I really like him as a talent, but this feels like the exact same trap that we're trying to avoid. And especially like if you want the Evan Ingram type upside, why don't we just wait five rounds and take Njoku? You know, like I, I yeah, just that's, don't... I'm actually fine doing, I think that is why, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm happy being talked out of that pick because I think the Njoku point's a great one. Um, Najoku probably I like Najoku even more as a prospect coming out yeah and you get the five round discount and then I think the other thing is with Najoku you're, you're using a, a less uh, premium pick and then you can kind of backfill with guys later on in the draft um, you know some of these guys like are going to be close to they're the guys who are basically free in other leagues so you'll have to draft like a Ricky Seals Jones and yeah you know in- all of those types of dudes. And I think, I mean, we mentioned it earlier about at least why I personally feel strongly about waiting on tight end It is that when you look at the type of players that are available on the waiver wire, and obviously we, we just have two years of experience, and running backs are extremely hard to come by. Um, it's hard. You got to spend heavy. You can get them, but you got to spend big to get them. You got it. You're right. Yeah. You got to use half your budget to get like an obvious guy who's going to get, you know, guaranteed touches. And that might even just be for a short window of time. And then there's, um, uh, and then wide receivers similarly are pretty picked over. You can get the occasional kind of like nine route, you know, speedster guy uh, that would be inconsistent. But then after that, it's mainly quarterbacks and tight ends where guys pop up that even even if they're just getting four or five targets um they they pop up on the waiver wire and we've seen teams that have won the league um i mean the guys uh from texas uh who back-to-back years have basically just ignored tight ends and i mean we've given them a hard time because they've taken two quarterbacks and two defenses within the first 10 rounds Right. this is a father-son team from texas who have kind of an unconventional draft strategy where they're they're very interested in much more interested in running backs than us. They always make fun of our team uh, for our running backs after the drafts, you know, and uh, or politely go, oh, oh, that's your that's your team, huh? Yeah. Um, but but uh, they also, yeah, they take defenses kind of early. They, they've taken what did they do last year? Like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson yeah. at quarterback. And <laughs> yeah, so they do very unconventional moves. But yeah, they've been quite it's, successful it's in the league and we have not. Yeah, so I guess that was a, a roundabout way of saying I, I feel more confident about waiting, taking a shot on someone like Najoku later, uh, and if he doesn't, or even an O.J. Howard type. And if they don't pan out, then I know we can backfill production with Trey some. Burton's interesting to me later, too. Yeah, so I'd rather wait, go really high upside, but not premium. And then the other reason why I really would like to go uh, two more wide receivers at the 4-5 turn and start our draft with four uh wide receivers in the first five rounds is because 
and I've heard some people talk about this, some guys that I think are sharp, Sean Siegel, Mike Broad, and that wide receiver is sneaky, not deep this year. And I when I when I start to look at, I mean, yeah, there are some flyers that you can like, but it does really fall off a cliff. And I would really like to lock up um, our four starting uh, wide receivers uh, as quickly as possible. And then as we move on through the draft, we can be more flexible, obviously with zero RB targets, high upside tight ends, obviously super late quarterback defense and kicker. But I would really like to focus on wide receiver uh, at that four or five turn as of now. Yeah, the points. Yeah, it's a good point. I I think what I would say is uh, almost to like expand that point. I think one of the things that we've messed up on is taking that tight end, as you mentioned, in that kind of fourth round, fourth, fifth round pocket. But the other thing is then we usually turn around and take a running back in like the sixth, seventh area. And I like looking back, those picks always suck. And we, you know, it's like we're we're spending premium picks just to like get touches early on. And I just rather like our teams are always terrible in the beginning anyway. So why don't we just pick guys who we think are going to be good at wide receiver and figure out the touches conundrum, you know, in the tenth, eleventh round, and and not waste a premium pick on a Jeremy Hill type, you know, like we did yeah. a couple of years ago. So and, I think uh, not to move it past the fourth, fifth round, really, but. I do like some wide receivers here, um, and I, I even like wide receivers later on past this round, like you know the at the Pierre Garcon and just for targets. Sammy Watkins is kind of intriguing; he's going at seventy-seven. So even as we look in the next, uh, the sixth, seventh picks, I kind of feel like I would be interested in maybe uh, getting a couple more wide receivers. That that would probably be where we would have to take. In a Najoku, unless we were just hoping he falls to the end of the eighth. Yeah. But, I mean, we could go wide receiver, wide receiver, three double picks in a row, potentially. So yeah. six wide receivers after one running back. Yeah, and I think uh, we can save this uh, for a future show. I know we want to have on uh, Sean Siegel next week. He's uh, in the process of putting out all of his zero running back targets. Uh, so this, I think, would be prime territory to talk to Sean about how to navigate these middle rounds because I really do think this is where it does get interesting. And and like you said, in the past, we, we haven't had a running back through five rounds, and we've really scrambled, I think, and made suboptimal picks because we were just trying to lock up some touches for those first few weeks so we didn't completely fall on our face. And when you lock up Todd Gurley, I just think it, or, or whoever, a, a bell cow running back, and you're just trying to fill that RB2 slot, it's just so much less pressure because it opens you up to grab a guy like Duke Johnson, uh, you know, a guy like Tariq Cohen, someone you know that's going to be able to keep you afloat in PPR and then really make optimal zero RB target picks as opposed to scrambling for touches i think that's going to be the biggest relief this year uh in what that first round running back is going to allow us to do the way we build our team i totally agree and you know like duke johnson is going in the eighth round and and that's those that's when those wide receivers start to be a little bit less interesting you know you're talking about passing up on a guy like nelson aguilar kelvin benjamin jordy nelson um, you know, Robert Woods a little bit earlier in the eighth. I doubt he'll be there at the end. So uh, I I definitely agree. I think getting that bell cow running back could really allow us to actually, in a weird way, do zero running back 
in a more true sense than we really have the first couple of years. Because what we've done is we've done zero running back, but then we've watered it down with picks, with premium picks for tight end, premium picks for running back in the, you know, the fourth, fifth, seventh. You know, we're not loading up on wide receivers so that when we miss on our wide receivers, which we have done spectacularly the first two years with Allen Robinson, uh, Jameson Crowder, you know, some of these guys have just fallen flat on their face for us. But um, James Crowder last year, not the year before. And it's like, yeah, let's let's actually do the zero running back strategy the, the way you're supposed to do, which is that, you know, you're going to miss. So you don't take four wide receivers and think these guys are my starters. I'm good at wide receiver. Now you still spend the premium picks on the position wide receiver. That's a little bit more easy to predict, even after you've got your starters, you know, in quotes already selected so that when one of those guys gets hurt, when one of those guys sucks, when you think he was going to be awesome. You've got guys that are going to slot in and fill that that spot. So, I guess let's. I just want to talk about a couple more wide receivers um, in that fourth, fifth round area because you mentioned the Chris Hogan reach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd totally be fine reaching for a wide receiver here, but actually, if we were going to do it, I think the guy I would want to do it with is Corey Davis, who, as you know, I'm quite a big fan of, and I feel like he's got the potential for a breakout as well. So it's like. Corey Davis could be the guy that we take in the fifth round um, who ends up being like, you know, our second best wide receiver or something like that if he just has a big breakout year. And then Alshon Jeffries also going after our pick would be. It would be a a more slight reach than a a Davis or a Chris Hogan. But he's also someone that I think is, is somewhat interesting. And then Josh Gordon just throw him out. I kind of highly doubt that he'll be there in the fifth round for us if uh, his whole situation is resolved. He'll either be going much much earlier, I think maybe in the, even the third or fourth round. So Yeah, Corey, um, Corey Davis is interesting. He feels a bit to me like a luxury wide receiver pick as opposed to locking up, um, I don't know, guaranteed production, production that we've seen um, from Hogan. And I know... Corey Davis. I, obviously, everyone loves his prospect profile. Uh, we we still like Mariota. I think there's still just some questions about uh, his production in the NFL and if if he can actually uh, put together a, a full productive season. Where I just don't have those concerns about Hogan. Uh, he's going to get off to a fast start, especially with Edelman out. Um, he's Tom Brady's was his number one wide receiver, uh, red zone option. So I just have less questions and I feel more confident about the production we'd be locking up there at wide receiver for, but I can certainly appreciate the, uh, the swing for the fences pick. Although that type of pick, I I feel like I'd rather make in the six, seventh, as opposed to the four five. Yeah, I hear you. And Davis definitely has a premium because he's got that profile that everyone is aware of. So it's not like we're not like uh, making a real sleeper pick here, right? He's like a guy that everyone might think is a sleeper and therefore he is not at all. Yeah. Um, But I think that, again, the moral is uh, if I can uh, get your knucklehead brain to get that tight end idea (laughs) out of your head that uh we get we again have... i agree with you logically just emotionally i still want to take those tight ends in the fifth round for some reason i'm gonna pour beer on your keyboard and short circuit <laughs> it and then i'll just have to take over um no but yeah there there's lots of wide receiver options uh at this four or five turn and i'm sure what's crazy too about talking about this now is 
the I think even just the potential maneuvering and ADP that's going to happen over the next uh, three weeks. It'll change a lot. A lot, uh, especially like you look at some of these situations um, and obviously injuries. You have stuff you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. There's rumors he might start on the pup list. Josh Gordon, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I don't want to bother with that, but obviously his status is completely up in the air. Uh, you have Jarvis Landry, who is going to continue to get hyped up probably on hard knocks. His ADP is going to move up. I mean, there's just all kinds of, of stuff that's going to happen, but I do think there are enough options that we're still going to feel pretty good. And I think in general, uh, I think it's safe to say that drafts are going to be incredibly running back crazed. And yes. I think that's going to push down really strong wide receiver values. And even though there might be an anomaly of one of two of those targets get pushed way up because of some kind of buzz, I think we're going to be sitting pretty with wide receiver options. Yeah, I I really agree with the point of running backs getting pushed up the board. And I think we are in such a good position wanting to target wide receivers in the early rounds by just getting that you know that stud running back and then we'll just put like at least six wide receivers around him and you know in the next like eight rounds and hopefully even more um one thing that you kind of mentioned earlier i think it's a really good point about the ffpc the draft board's kind of varying a lot and the adp probably shifting a lot as we go i i don't know if uh we've never really talked about this i don't think but Having drafted the last couple of years in the FFPC, it strikes me that it's sort of the, the type of person that comes out to Vegas and spends $1,800 on a single fantasy league is like not the type of person who's just going to go by whoever they're supposed to pick, right? So the, the drafts have a lot of variance, I think, because everyone's just like, I'm going to take who I want. They don't seem, there doesn't seem to be like a, a feeling of, oh, I'm really reaching here. You know, people will make picks that surprise you. People will get taken like a round earlier or even a round and a half earlier than you thought they'd go. So we're going to be able to plan this out. And I like that we're doing this. And I think we'll have a really good plan going into the draft. But I think it's just as likely to get completely blown up by the time we're actually sitting down there and, and watching the draft. So I think one thing we definitely want to do is, is have kind of like backup options that we can pivot to, particularly in the later rounds, because obviously the further on you go, the the more the variance can really shake things up. Excellent. Well, I think that is uh, a good point uh, for us to stop here for this first episode. Uh, we don't want to go overboard here. I'm sure if we just continued going down the draft board, we would record for four hours uh, going back and forth on our early ideas. But I do think this was a good start. And uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you're on team tight end early or not whether you like the uh girly or bell 101 what you guys think of our overall strategy if you believe that team fantasy land can once and for all turn it around in the ffpc main event pat we we have to there's no other option playoffs or bust baby playoffs or bust all right we'll see you guys next week Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.